Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Today we are joined by Simone Nordegraf, who comes to us from across the pond. We're talking about seeing opportunity in times of challenge. Simone is the Chief Executive Officer of the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, European Division. She's an experienced senior executive with a track record of 30 plus years in international business with Ernest & Young, Shell, Philips, and Axo Nobel. Her background in multinational companies, cross-functional and global leadership teams has provided her with an excellent background in global executive business and leadership coaching. She was a member of the executive finance leadership teams of Philips and Axo Nobel in recent years and has led teams of up to 4,000 people. Her leadership style is considered courageous and empowering, supporting teams for high performance and development. Simone is extremely passionate about conscious leadership and coaches executive leaders to optimize their strengths become highly inspiring and emotionally agile. She joins us from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Simone, welcome to the Career Builders podcast. Hi, Mike and Lisa. I'm glad to be here. So thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And I should just point out that we both actually went to IPEC as well. So this is very exciting for us. Very, very cool. Yes. Can you please tell us a little bit more about your journey as it pertains to how it led you to IPEC? Yeah, I'd love to because uh, it's it's an unusual journey. Um, I started off as a as an accountant right off high school, studying and working, and I think that was the sensible choice. And like many of us at the beginning of our career, we make this sensible choice. We do what other people think is is wise and and smart and well planned out. Um, and fortunately and unfortunately, at the same time, I was good at it. So I built a career in finance, but I will honestly tell you, looking back, it's never completely let, lit me up. Um, I did it and I could do it, but the question really underneath that was, well, what what is it that really makes me get up in the morning and go to work with a spring in my step, right? Um, so over the years, I moved countries. I went to the UK, I went to the US, I lived in Houston, then I went up north in Massachusetts. And those experiences were phenomenal, but I truly started to wake up and light up when I started to lead people. Hmm. So I had a large team at Philips and I wanted to get more out of these people. So how do you get people to embrace their full potential? Well, in my view, that was coaching. I had had an executive coach myself and I enjoyed that so much because she taught me things that I did not le learn in school or university. And my managers and role models were actually unable to um, teach me that. They just did what their bosses before them did. <laughs> so their way of learning had become my way of learning because I just used role models and sometimes I Googled the internet if I didn't know. Um, coach training made a huge difference. And it made a huge difference in two ways. One is that I was able to get to the potential of people. I was able to drive sustainable change because I went to IPEC and learned about coaching. Um, and IPEC, as you know, doesn't just teach coaching, but it teaches more about consciousness and awareness um, so that you can really truly drive sustainable change. Um, I can uh, change things on willpower. 
but it'll be like I'm in, on an elastic band and it'll pull me back right away when things get hard. Or I can go underneath it and have the conversation under the conversation mm. and then actually get to where I really would like to go because it's a positive motivation and it's built on a much higher awareness. The impact was phenomenal. So leading people and actually making them inspired, motivated, um, curious, really curious about what's possible. Um, yeah, made me come alive. So when I moved back from Massachusetts back to Amsterdam, uh, because I, I had a difficult situation in my personal life, I started to lead a team of 4,000 and they were literally all over the world. And I used coaching as part of my leadership to really start to empower more people. Before I learned to coach, it was that I should have all the answers. I was the one actually making sure that everything got done. And now the power was with the people that were reporting into me and with the right people underneath that, it made all the difference because you could just achieve more. So I think I moved to IPEC because at some point you have worked for a very long time at large corporations and you start to see or you can't unsee anymore what you used to not see. You see people driven by fear and, and, and trying to motivate people by fear or by power or by force. And I didn't really like that anymore. So I wanted to offer to more people what I had learned and what had made a big difference in my life, both professionally and personally. Mm. And that's what I do now. I actually was uh, in conversations with IPEC for seven years before I left Axel Nobel. And then finally, after I handed in my resignation letter, two weeks later, the CEO of IPEC came to me and said, well, we've been talking about it now for so many years. Do you still want it? Well, the answer was yes. So here I am. Wow. Amazing. That is incredible. I mean, poof. We could, we could probably pause the episode and just have a little breakdown and, and completely outline everything that you just said there, because I thought there was a lot of learning, mm -hmm. um, but we will continue. But I thank you firstly for everything you just shared. Yeah. And it's very cool that when you make space for that change or, or whatever that is, that's going to come next, that it comes in and plops into your lap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you obviously put in seven years of work come, leading up to that, but it is amazing when you make space for it. And it, it is really relevant. There's relevant learning in that as well, right? Um, because if I wanted instant gratification um, and I wouldn't have actually been to IPEC, I probably would have been disappointed and I would have disengaged. But I stayed with it. It was a relationship and we cultivated the relationship. And as a result, after so many years, something beautiful actually happens. And, uh, and I think that's a big lesson for me as well, just to kind of stay the course, keep your heart open, uh, and then see the opportunity unfold. Hmm. Love it. And that leads really well into our topic today of opportunity. And having led so many large companies, I'm sure that you've experienced a number of challenges and on a global scale, 
we're experiencing unprecedented challenge from a pandemic to a human rights revolution. So it can be difficult to see at the time, but from your perspective, what value might we receive from experiencing challenging times? I've experienced challenging times in my life and in my work. And the only answer I can give you to that question is growth, right? There's growth there. If you're never challenged, you can't grow. Because on the other side of pain and, and, and challenges, that, that's where actually the possibility lies. Um, and I have heard that in the past, and I wasn't sure I believed it. Um, because you do have to go through it and experience it to be able to let go of the dread. There's dread underneath that, right? You don't actually want to, um, at some point, just lose a position that you love or be challenged on a choice that you make that you totally want to make happen, but the company actually has other plans for you, or something happens in your life and you lose somebody that you dearly love. All of those elements are gifts. I just can't say it any other way. Mm-hmm. But when you would have asked me upfront to go through it, I would have, of course, politely declined. <laughs> um, but the real element of that is, okay, how do you stay open when you go through that? Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, at IPEC, we teach the seven levels of energy. And when I finished IPEC, I understood level one to four, right? So you fly, flight and fight. Everybody knows flight and fight. Rationalization and settling and service. I understood those. But when you go beyond those levels and you really think about what else is possible, you get to collaboration, openness, being able to work together to a higher goal than you are. And I needed to go through those, the depths of those experiences to be really able to understand that if you then stay open, the opportunities and the possibilities actually come in. Um, and I'll say one other thing uh, that I thought was really, really important about being challenged. It's the only way to develop courage. Mm-hmm. The time that my career went on an upward slope and only on an upward slope. And I actually thought it was supposed to be that way. And I was walking the line that I was taught to walk. I had never failed. And failure is essential because if you have actually never in your life lost anything, you're going to dread taking that next risk because in that next risk, there might be failure. And until you fail, you actually don't know whether you're going to survive failure. You might know it in your head, but the rest of your system is not going to actually be able to keep up with that. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Sort of letting that one sit there for a moment. That's incredible. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So courage to me is, is sort of a mindset that we can allow ourselves to move into. And you said be open to keep our heart open. And at IPEC, we learned a lot about mindset. So in your own words, could you tell us a little bit about what mindset means? Because it tends to be a little bit of a buzzword um, and how it impacts our ability to survive or thrive in these challenging times. 
I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Um, mindset to me is, uh, is the attitude with which you approach everything in life. And in reality, there is, you know, we all know the, the, um, the iceberg, right? There's a piece mm -hmm. of the iceberg above water and there's so much underneath it. Mm -hmm. And when I was in business meetings in the past and we'd have 10 people in there, there was a part that I could see. I could see how they were actually non-verbally in the room. I could see maybe where they came from or I could see, I could hear their accents. So there were a bunch of things that I would know because of what I had learned and their titles and whatever it was. And there was a part of them, their stories that I didn't know. So their mindset is made up of both. And that's what sometimes makes it really hard in a company to interact in all of these uh, complex problem solving because we bring everything that we are into that complex problem. So the mindset, I would say, is the, the sum of all of those things. Um, it's the lenses, it's the filters that you're using to see something. And whenever you and I are going to be looking at the same thing, we might see something completely different. Mm -hmm. Your mindset is made up of all those things that make us look at these things differently. Mm -hmm. So I think it's um, understanding and learning about the iceberg and understanding what's at the top, but more even to become much more aware of what's at the bottom has made a big difference in my leadership but it's also the joy of coaching that you help others to see what's underneath the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the first step is understanding our own iceberg of, you know, what's under the surface, what's above the surface. Do you have any other tips for people to shift from that fight or flight into some of those different levels of energy, which we can also put a link in our show notes mm -hmm. for people, anybody who wants to learn more about the energy levels. That would be fabulous. Um, I think that uh, there are many, many strategies to get to the iceberg. Um, but I'll tell you a couple that are my personal favorites because we all have our elements that we've embraced and that we love. Um, and one of my, perf sorry, excuse me, my personal favorites is really to listen to my emotions. And I'm an emotional person, which I actually now love. And when I was working in large corporations, I've always felt that those are not allowed. Mm -hmm. So I shoved them away for a long time. But now that I actually um, know them and befriended them, they actually give me a lot of information. And there, uh, I used to work for a, a leader. Um, who would say, have your emotions, but don't become your emotions. Mm. And I didn't fully understand what that meant. But what I know now is that every time I feel an emotion, it's worth investigating. What's out of alignment? What's actually not working in this situation? Is there a value of mine that is actually now being violated? Do I need to do a course correction? And so one of the bigger strategies that have helped me 
to uncover the iceberg is to feel my feelings, mm -hmm. to allow them to exist, but not immediately react to them. Because they're not always telling me the truth, right? They're sometimes really based on my perception and my mindset and my iceberg, how I've been looking at the situation. So kind of pulling that apart and looking at all the pieces and, and checking in with myself. Um, and it brings me to the second point, and that is presence, being present with what you feel, not being afraid to actually feel them. And then also just honesty. Mm. I would say the hardest part that I had to learn was to become incredibly radically honest with myself. I think that this is, it's painful. None of us like to actually look at our not so pretty side. Um, we get taught to actually show all of our pretty sides. But when you actually show your not so pretty side, it feels embarrassing and ugly, and icky. Um, but it's actually pretty cool whenever you dare to look at that side and to understand where it comes from and why they, that you do certain things, then you can bring some compassion to it. Um, but it also allows you to actually drive some change there. Mm -hmm. That consciousness that you had talked about earlier, that is that those tips that you just gave will be so helpful for anybody who are dealing with the challenges with the pandemic or the human rights revolution that we're experiencing right now. So um, that's fantastic advice. When we went through IPEC, and, and I'm sure when you went through IPEC as well, Simon, the word opportunity is an important one because it represents a different lens really i think through which to view many things in life including ourselves what does the word opportunity mean to you opportunity i'd say is everything opportunity is um finding the opening for the next thing every time and it could be in business, but it also, and maybe more even, is to find that opening in the relationship. So where were you closed before? Well, there is a possibility to see this. And, and, and that's hard, because sometimes you have actually formed an opinion about a certain relationship, and it's difficult to kind of start shifting your thinking around that relationship. Um, but relationships are opportunity as well, whether it's a business partnership, whether it's maybe your next boss, mm. it could be anything. Um, and all those people that you have around you, sometimes they may respond in a, you know, not so eloquent way. Um, but when they actually feel understood and they feel they belong, then opportunity remains a possibility. Um, and I see the same in business. I think that the moment you shut down, you close off, you pull up a wall, you're on the one hand locking yourself in and you're locking everything else out. Yeah. And possibility is literally everywhere as long as you're able and willing to see that. And a large part of that is keeping your eyes and your mind and your heart open. I think that's a really powerful message, the, and the visual aspect of imagining opportunity as an opening versus a closure. That to me is kind of 
that's definitely what I heard. And I can see how that is so applicable in everything that we do, going back to what you said about how it's everything. Amazing. I love that you were so visual, Mike. Yeah, yeah I, I tend to take words and create pictures in my head. That's kind of how I, I tend to think. Cool. What would you say to someone who is struggling to see opportunities that may be presenting themselves during trying times or maybe following a major life setback, if I can sort of judge it through that term? It's a great question and it's not an easy answer mm -hmm. um, because again, there are thousands of strategies, right? Um, the first one that I would come up with is breathe. Just take a moment, take a pause. I mean, we get so caught up in doing and if you're doing, it's harder to see the opportunity. If you're being, it's easier to see it. And this happens to me all the time. I get in doing mode and I very deliberately have to just pull myself out because I can't see the forest for the trees. And that is really an analogy for opportunity. Um, but I would also ask somebody how they're getting stuck there. Right? What actually has caused them to get stuck in what's not possible? So my coaching question around that would be, how is this showing up in other, other parts of your life? Or I would ask in different forms, depending on the conversation that we're having, but I would ask, what are you afraid of? And if we would then come up with a fear, we could examine whether that fear is actually real or whether it's a story that you tell. Um, the coach that I worked with before I went to coach training, she taught me about fear. She was a, a very, very interesting woman. Um, and she had survived multiple bouts of cancer. And I was in awe because I asked her, and it took me a little while to get my, um, my courage up. And I said, well, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that fear? And what she did, she made me tell, me a story, tell her a story about what I was afraid of. And then she made me change the answer, the ending. And she made me do that 10 times and come up with a different ending every time. And then said, so which one do you really think is going to happen? And it usually was my worst fear. So fear are the stories you tell yourself. That's what you taught me. And I thought that was amazing to learn that. I, I'm sure I speak for Lisa here, but I couldn't agree more with that and, and just resonates so strongly. I hope that our dear listener is taking a moment to sort of let these things in. It's, it's, it's perhaps a little easier for us having been through an experience like IPEC and having spent months thinking about this, but for someone who is just stumbling on it for the first time, I can appreciate it. If it's you, dear listener, that needs some time to just maybe hit pause at this point and think about what Simon has said. So very wise words. Thank you. When you look back on the opportunities you've been afforded throughout your professional life, are there any that you've regretted pursuing? I wouldn't say regret. I wouldn't use the word regret because everything I've done, I've learned. Um, 
leaving corporate, I could have done two years sooner. Hmm. Maybe more, but two years seems like the right number because I chose another job when everything inside me already knew I didn't necessarily want to go and do that. Hmm. And, and it's a really interesting point, especially for people who are in career transitions because you get attached, you get attached to a job, a title, money, mm-hmm. and it keeps you hostage. So I felt very strongly this pull to stay where I was because I didn't know that people wanted to talk to me if I didn't have a big brand name behind me. Mm-hmm. It was these conferences and everybody would come to me and say, oh, you work for them, you work for them, and people wanted to do business with you. And then I was like, well, now I'm not part of that large corporate anymore. So how can I still be interesting? Hmm. Part of my conditioning, right? So I, I had to kind of pull my identity and my job title apart. And you know this. I mean, you go to a party, people don't ask, me, ask you really who you are. They ask what you do. Mm-hmm. And it becomes intertwined. And, and it was just such a real experience for me leaving corporations and then going into coaching when i left i wanted to just be just become an executive coach i wanted to air quote that mm-hmm. um but i it turned out it became something very different um but i had to let go of that identity at the door and that was so cool that definitely resonates with me in terms of just how identity and the way we see ourselves can be a blocker to seeing opportunity in many, many ways. But that's one of the things that I just pulled out very quickly from that, that has been true for me, just, just sharing that for, with everyone. I can agree as well. I was also an accountant in my previous life. So, um, there's a lot that comes with that. And so it, it can take time to, pull them apart, like you had said. Yeah. And I'll share one story because I think it's just so clear to me and you can cut this out if you want. (laughs) Um, I did not realize that if you are an accountant or an engineer, you become conditioned to avoid risk. Your whole education is about minimizing risk and it took me a long time to also, even, even in my finance roles, to start focusing more and more on the possibility. And so I'm still happy and lucky that I have my finance education. That's why I say, you know, I can't regret it because it's always given me something. But it now allows me to make sure that I, whenever I grab an opportunity, I think about the downside and I make sure I put some sensible mitigations in there, but I don't let it hijack me. I don't let it keep me where I am. Um, But the realization that when you're in a a more technical brainy, that you actually get more focused on risk and avoiding risk than at seeing opportunity has made me very aware that that is a skill set you need to very deliberately develop. It's another conditioning you, you need to peel out of your repertoire for it to become actually a possibility. That's so true. Yeah. 
So when people are going through challenging times or transitions, you mentioned this in that you need to take time to be as opposed to just being in action. But there's also a lot of talk about self-care, particularly in coaching and the wellness industries. So what does balanced self-care look like when you're trying to be and also not just not be in action? Yes, and I love that question. Um, it made me wonder actually what your position was on it because uh, I don't get the question asked in that way so often. And here's the reason why it really um, struck me that you asked me the question. People talk about self-care as if it's a means to an end. And I don't believe it's a means to an end. I think everybody needs to do self-care. It's a very important influencer to keep your energy high. You need to sleep, you need to eat well, you need to take these pauses, maybe meditate, whatever works for you to make sure you feel great. But at times I feel that people are going a little bit overboard with it. Um, because you can stretch yourself, you can challenge yourself and you can organize your self-care in such a way that it really helps you to optimize. Um, and it's not a one, one choice. It's a work of art in motion um, because you constantly have to adjust and feel what you need. So when you get stuck in, I need to take care of myself, I need to take care of myself, I need to take care of myself, you actually might get entrenched in that and you might actually get into lower levels of energy because you are then only focused on that. And what I hope for people is that they will do both um, because self-care can become a harness. Mm -hmm. It, it can become a reason to keep everything else out because my self-care, that's the be-all, end-all. So when you asked me that question, what I actually thought of is, well, honesty towards myself is a really important element of self-care. When am I actually really needing self-care or when am I actually using self-care as an excuse? Mm. And I find that a really interesting topic, especially when you work in this world. Mm -hmm. I see both. And sometimes it's really feeding and needed and, and important. And sometimes I feel that people are hiding behind it. Hmm. Absolutely. And I've experienced that myself. I've experienced times where I've said, you know, I need this whole week of self-care, which sometimes you do. Sometimes you need a vacation or time off. And then other times I've, found that that's been an excuse for me to say, oh no, I can't do that this week. I'm afraid of what is coming, so I'm just going to sit in this self-care. So that's really where the, the question came from for me. Hmm. It's what I thought. I mean, the way you phrase it, I thought there must be something similar behind it. So thank you. Thank you for your answer. That was amazing. We've been talking a lot about opportunity and challenging times. Do you have any tips from your own experiences on how to successfully navigate through this time that we're living in right now? What I notice is that people get stuck in resistance. 
lockdown is a beautiful example of that we fight and i think that some of the um the movement that is happening right now in the united states um i you can see that resistance is a good thing but i think it also goes with a lot of curiosity and learning so for me i'd say that noticing bringing curiosity what's going on um and learning how to dialogue are incredibly important to working through any difficulty or setbacks or or challenges in your life and and when i say in your life it could be really small it could be in your family and it can be in your community and it can even be bigger and i i just joined a a dialogue group and i notice how much it challenges me mm. i notice how much it challenges me because first of all you think at many many different levels and you feel your conditioning you feel you feel resistance you feel curiosity you feel like it's moving too slow or you don't feel heard so all those elements are part of that dialogue and what we learn so much in our society is is that we actually need to argue to get our point across um the dialogue group actually practices to bring that outward and inward when i feel the urge to argue when i feel the urge to say no you're wrong which is not a good dialogue skill <laughs> the question is okay now what's happening so what's happening in the conversation but what's happening inside of me to want to tell somebody else that they're wrong hmm. my opportunity is to bring curiosity to the situation and learn and to bring curiosity to my condition my conditioning and start to question why i do what i do hmm. and i'll tell you i find that really difficult but i noticed that within ipec within the leadership of ipec because we work very closely we work as one and we question we actually sit through the difficult stuff and we explore and we argue but we do argue to learn and to try to understand each other mm -hmm. um So I think it's it's both ways. It's learning more about yourself when you're in dialogue and learning more about the other. And the third element to that is okay, what's our higher purpose here? Because mm -hmm. if you are in a dialogue with somebody else and you're unclear about what that higher purpose is, you can go all over the map. Um and you can lose each other in the process. But if you have that higher purpose in mind, it becomes much easier to find each other. Mm -hmm. What what might be a different way of instead of saying you're wrong, what might be a curiosity type question that you might use instead? Tell me more about that. Before I tell you anything of what I think about the situation, I would love to understand better 
why you say what you say. Mm. Because I don't understand it yet. Mm. Love that. Something that's come to me throughout this episode that I, I think I'll just share here is we often talk a lot about turning inward and you've you've mentioned that now and you've also mentioned this is that sometimes the really beneficial place to turn to is upward connecting to that higher sense of purpose and our we sometimes call our higher coach but whatever is really the big picture of all of this is i, th I think is something we can't forget about as we continue to be curious so a different interpretation maybe of what you've just said but that's what's come to me Thank you. So we have some questions that we like to ask of all of our guests um, who come onto the show, sometimes on the lighter end compared to some of the topics we are addressing. We're curious to know what is the most fun you've had in your career? I think that, whew, I think it's a hard question <laughs> in the sense that I am actually, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty serious person and my husband is really, really, really funny. So he <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, so when I have a lot of fun, I have a lot of fun at home and I have a lot of fun playing games because we play a lot of games. Hmm. Um, but in my career, I think I feel joy it's more joy than fun. Hmm. And I had no idea as I was kind of reflecting on your question, whether that's, whether that's a good answer. I, I noticed my own conditioning that I'm supposed to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it struck me that I felt ashamed that I wasn't feeling fun. Hmm. And I brought some attention to that because I thought that that was pretty cool. We say it all the time that we want to have fun at work. Um, and I'm not sure whether in reality, a lot of people have a lot of fun. I, I would love for us to have more fun. Um, but we sometimes do take our stuff really seriously, don't we? Mm -hmm. I think I had the most fun when I was still working in an accounting office, when I was very early on in my career. And you would have a bunch of really, really like-minded, young, eager um, auditors in, in what, you know, some kind of bullpen and people would make really like bad jokes and <laughs> you would just mess around and it would be really funny. That's what I think about when I think about fun. Huh. And afterwards, I think I've had fun, but I think as you go into leadership, I'd say it's really, really hard to protect your fun space. It gets mm -hmm. too serious. I think that's an important distinction too, though, that you're bringing that you're our first guest who's brought this distinction, but that it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be fun, but joy is also another really great term for it. I'm pretty joyful about my joy. I love that. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, listen, I get to coach people and I get to help people in, in a short amount of time to get completely new insights in their life. And we can joke about it. We can laugh about it. And I get to do that with so many people. I am thrilled with what I'm allowed to do every day. Really. Hmm. 
but I, I, I don't, it doesn't feel like fun. I don't, I don't find myself like giggling through the day, the whole day. I don't know why that is. It's a good reflection though. Thank you for that. Yeah. And different uh, definitions of fun too. Mm-hmm. It's everything we've talked about, right? And how many different lenses you can view one question we've asked it, I don't know, maybe 20 something times in our, our show's life. And you have added to yet uh, added another layer of understanding to it. So thank you. It's really cool. And I'm enjoying speaking of joy, this conversation <laughs> a lot. What would you say is the biggest risk you've ever taken in your career? And how did that turn out for you? I think that's leaving my corporate career and creating IPEC. And it's, uh, it's hard work because we're bringing IPEC not only to Europe these days, but we've also started IPEC Singapore. Um, and it's complex because you're dealing with all these countries and all these cultures, um, but it's fun. I love it. It's, uh, we're doing this as one. So I love that about IPEC. Um, we do things in oneness. And that may not always feel like that in the moment, but if I look at the two and a half years we've been doing this together, I'm amazed and impressed by how we actually create the culture that is aligned with our philosophy. And that's pretty special. In all those years, in all those companies, people talk a lot about purpose and they talk a lot about alignment and culture. But if you actually can create it so that you can feel it, and experience it that's a really 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 cool thing hmm. so but it is the biggest risk so there are moments that i lie awake think about you just start a business two years ago and then COVID hits and at that point we did not have our online version we were thinking about it we were working on it but it wasn't there yet and we had just decided to open up singapore and singapore is one of the first countries that gets hit by COVID. Mm. Wow. And then you actually think, whoa, okay, I made this decision. And now we have to live through a crisis that none of us have ever seen in our lives. Mm -hmm. But we talked about opportunity at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because we started op to open Singapore this year, we were one of the first to see that COVID was happening. So on the 5th of February, I actually emailed Joan, the CEO of IPEC, and I said, this is coming. We have to think about this. And we were able to use all that extra time that we mm -hmm. had and were able to create opportunity. Yeah, amazing. that is amazing. And for the listener who might not be quite as acquainted with IPEC as we are, to go from developing and delivering a program that has a very, very significant component delivered live in person, bringing people together from sometimes many corners uh, to shift it all into a virtual space and deliver an, an experience of, I'm sure still amazing quality, I think is amazing. Like that really speaks right to the mindset of looking for opportunity. Yes. And it, it's beautiful, actually, because um, you're, you're very right that 
we used to have this really, really big life component and we still do. Yes. You and I, you know, the three of us are now having a conversation online and we, we connect. We do. I've never met you, but we connect. <laughs> and now this is where it gets really, really interesting because actually our online experiences are appreciated just as well. And we actually have these really cool breakout rooms. Um, the only thing that you run into is that people have limiting beliefs mm. on top of the iceberg. Remember, mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. actually say, I cannot connect online. So cool. So we have conversations and we do some extra um, webinars to make sure that people actually get, can get comfortable because if you are a global leader, you cannot go and meet all of your people. True. If you are a coach and you want to expand your market, if you can do it online, your market is the world. Yeah. So I can choose to get hold back, held back by my limiting belief that I cannot connect online or I can embrace it and say, how do I connect online? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know yet. Very, very Love true. The world does shift. All right. The last question that we have for you in this section is what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? The best career advice I've received over the years has shifted because every time I got something new, it was like a really big aha. Hmm. Um, but the ones that are, really coming to me in the more recent years is how to become caring and daring. Mm. And let me tell you a little bit about that because that may not be immediately so obvious, but in our workplaces, if you have a good look around, you have people who are not caring and not daring. They kind of hide and they think about themselves because the world is a risky place. And there are people who are caring, deeply caring, but they are not daring. Hmm. And they're wonderful people to have in your team, but they're not going to be your front runners and they will not make the big difference. Then there are people like me, I'll just be vulnerable here. I was actually very daring. I thought I was caring because actually from a purpose level, I always knew why I was doing what I was doing, but in the individual relationship, I was very challenging and I was more daring than caring. And so I had to learn to play to win and playing to win is about being purpose driven, caring about the individual relationship, but also challenging. So you create a safe place in which people are able and willing to shift and change. And you offer them the opportunity to also be able to do that. Because if people don't grow, then they also become very unhappy. Oof. Great advice. Yeah. Like, it was I'm a not... hard one to look at huh? when I had to say to myself, oh, wow. 
I'm playing to dominate. That's what that quadrant is called. Uh-huh. I'm playing to dominate, not to win. That was painful. I did not enjoy that moment. But it was very helpful to learn. Hmm. Yeah, something for all of us to consider where we sit in that quadrant as well, just to consider. Yeah. All right. So where can people find you? I am reachable on LinkedIn. I'm a very active user of LinkedIn. I have a very global network because I've lived in many countries and worked in even more. Um, So I welcome everybody to look me up, find me and connect and take a look at my network. If ever you actually need a connection, I'm very happy to make a connection that is meaningful. Um, And if you want to know more about the company that I love and that has helped me to grow so much, I would also invite you to take a look at ipeccoaching.com online and take a look at the videos and the resources that we have there. It's all connected to our conversation today, and I'd love for you to find out more. Yeah, dear listener, uh, LinkedIn is how I met Simon online, and it started the discussion that brought us to our conversation today. So she's a woman of her word, and the company that she's talking about has changed my life. I'm pretty sure it's changed your life, Lisa. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and that of many, many, many friends of ours. Um, so it's definitely worth seeing. I think we can call it a wrap at that. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you again for being with us, Simon. Thank you. It was really my pleasure. Thanks. For the Career Builders podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Simon Nordegraf, our guest this week on the show. We hope you're well. We hope you'll join us again soon. Take care and bye for now.